Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast from the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture. I'm Dr. Brady Brewer, faculty in the Department of Agricultural Economics here at Purdue. And joining me today are two special guests, Dr. Jenny Ift, who is faculty in the Department of Agricultural Economics at Kansas State University, and Chad Fichter, who is a PhD student uh, here at Purdue in the Department of Agricultural Economics. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to focus on trade or non-traditional or vendor credit. We'll get we'll get to the definition of, of what we're talking about today here, here in just a few minutes. Um, but first, I want to pause and give each of our guests a uh, a chance to introduce themselves. So Chad, Jenny, do you want to introduce yourselves to the audience? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Jennifer Ift. I'm an associate professor in the area of agricultural policy here at Kansas State University, interested in, um, well, this topic, non-traditional finance, also crop insurance, farmland markets, farm labor, and the, the whole range of policy and regulatory issues that really are important to the farm sector. And I'm Chad Fichter. Um, I don't. I don't know how to introduce myself. I'm. Uh, I'm a farmer ter- turned grad student. So um, going back to grad school, pursuing a PhD, and and um, Dr. Ift was my master's advisor. So we're just kind of coming off of that and starting into a new chapter. So today's topic is uh, something that uh, really all three of us have have looked into, and it's something that's grown bigger here in the ag sector, and that is the topic of trade or non-traditional credit financing. So I think first, before we jump into kind of some of the implications and what's going on out there, we probably need to define uh, what we mean by trade or vendor credit. Okay, Um, I I can get started here. Um, First of all, I want to say we're not talking about traditional or non-traditional in terms of young or old. Um, The way that we like to define it is you have a relationship banking norm in agriculture where you are generally working with your local lender, whether it's a commercial bank or or a farm credit lender, um, and they're your primary source of credit. And they still do provide the majority of credit of agriculture. But there's a lot of different players and institutions that are operating outside of that space, which we collectively refer to as non-traditional finance. And that's a pretty diverse group. Today, we're going to be focusing on this one part of it, which is vendor credit, or sometimes you'll say trade credit. Um, Chad, do you want to take it over from there? Yeah, so I think the the trade credit, um, you know, traditionally trade credit is that common terms that, that are used in between a business and their customers, like net 30 days payable or net 60 days, with usually some sort of a discount period or like a, a zero um penalty for, for paying a little later. And so there's a, in my mind, the trade credit piece is this kind of very, um, I don't know, long existing mode of credit that's been used, but it's, it's meant to be short term. Whereas I think the vendor credit that we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on is kind of this, maybe not new, but more of a, a financing product that's going to last a little longer than that 30 days or 60 days of trade credit. Now, the vendor finance, just to clarify, is not the, the 60 or 30 days. That's, that comes with an interest rate that someone, uh, a third party, such as uh, Case New Holland or John Deere or Caterpillar, that they're offering with a product that comes with an interest rate. And it's essentially a loan right, that comes through that vendor. But the trade credit that you're talking about would be more you're buying 
seed inputs or something like that. And it, there's zero interest attached to it. You just got to pay in 30 or 60 days or nine. And sometimes it even extends out to 90 days. Right. Right. So I think that that's the, um, you know, the, the point of trade credit is just to, to alleviate the, the problem between delivery and payment. So you're not walking into with cash to buy your seed and chemicals. You're, you know, you, you can pay in 30 days uh, versus more of the vendor being the, you know, a financial tool where it's going to come with some sort of terms for a longer period of time. Yeah. And there's been a lot of uh, focus on this in, in especially the credit sector, because it, these types of credit, whether it be trade or vendor that we're talking about today, have really taken off over the past 10 to 15 years. And I know, Jenny, you've done a lot of work in this area, and, and I've done some research as well. And my research shows that uh, uh, you know, I'm going to collectively do the non-traditional tag now because uh, that's what we, we were looking at all forms of this. Uh, but up until the you know about eight years ago, uh, and I don't have data past then, uh, you know, even eight years ago, non-traditional credit had about 25 percent, almost a quarter of, of the volume of loans out there. So it was a pretty big uh, amount of how much market share they've taken over from the traditional commercial banks and even uh, like say the farm credit system. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely been growing a lot. I've, one thing that we showed with national data was really focused on implement dealer financing, um, which is credit that you're getting through your implement dealer, whether it's, again, there's these different forms of vendor finance. So it could be the implement dealer is providing it in-house. It could be through a third party, but that's the sort of the, the place where you're, you're signing up for the loan is through the implement dealer. And we showed that as nationally, that's gained a very large and increasing share of, of that category of financing over the past 10 to 15 years. I think the evidence is pretty consistent. Not all of the data gets reported, so it's still a bit of a mystery how much it is. The, the regional data sets, like the one you looked at, are really useful in trying to figure out how, how, how big of a piece of the pie this is. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons that a farmer, you know, why we see this big increase in, in the market share uh, of this particular type of credit to the farmers. And then, Chad, I know you've done some work there. Why why would a farmer want to use these vendor finances through John Deere or Case or, or the, the trade credit uh, for the purchasing of their inputs uh, as opposed to going to a commercial bank or farm credit and getting a revolving loan or, or a non-revolving operating line of credit? Yeah, definitely. There's there's situations where the the vendor is um, essentially incentivizing you to use their financing. So it's preferred rates. Um, maybe there's there's bundling that's happening or something where it's actually cost effective for you to use the financing from the vendor versus procuring your own financing through a commercial bank. Is there so if I'm a farmer and I go to buy a, 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 a tractor and they're offering it, chances are it's probably going to be at a lower interest rate than what I would get from, from my hometown bank. I think it could be. Um, go ahead, Jenny. Yeah, so so we actually were able to look at this with National Farm Survey data. And and what we found is that when you're talking about implements, for, for larger farms, there wasn't much of a difference between the – rate they were getting from their local lender and from implement dealers. It was about the same and it was lower than everybody else, but to some degree. For smaller and mid-sized firms, they were able to, to negotiate a more favorable rate with implement dealers. So it's so, certainly not uniform across the board. 
that seems like an interesting result. Do you have any insights to why we see this difference by farm size or implement dealers trying to uh, catch the business of those smaller farms, uh, thinking about quantity sold, or why why is there a different in rate based on the the size of the farm? Um, I, I I don't know if there's one answer for that, but I can I I'm certainly happy to speculate. I yeah, think let's let's speculate. Yeah, let's let's have fun here. So I think first of all, larger farms are just able to negotiate better credit rates, they might be a slightly better risk. They might, you know, it's, it's also a volume issue, right? You have a larger loan. Maybe you get, you get that, that lower, lower interest rate with the smaller and mid-sized farms, you know, they, that, that may be a little bit harder for them. So, so this may be one way for, for vendors, for implement dealers to, to compete for, for those loans is, is to offer a lower rate. Um, but you made an interesting point. So some of it may not just be that the trade credit may not be differentiated, but the larger farms, the commercial banks will fight harder to get some of those larger farms. So it may just be that the the, the spread is is less for the larger farms because the commercial banks are willing to offer them a little bit lower interest rate than the than the same uh, uh, smaller farms. Right, right, definitely. Um, the other piece of the puzzle, and then I'm calling this a puzzle on purpose, is that we don't know what they're paying for for the product. Um, if you look at inputs like seed, we do know that the financing comes with a cost. So if you're just comparing interest rates, you're not really showing the whole cost of the farm. I'm not as comfortable in the equipment arena saying whether that happens, but we know it does happen in some cases. Yeah, it- um, just like a lot of the car manufacturers, uh, General Motors, Ford, uh, Chrysler, Honda, Toyota, you know, if you look at their uh, financial reports now, a good portion of their income doesn't necessarily come from the sale of the car, it comes from the financing of the car and then those, uh, the, the financing arm of, of their businesses. So what you're essentially saying is that the, the equipment dealers are doing the same. We don't know the full piece. We, we know the loan side but we don't know what they're charging for the equipment and, and they, they, they're balancing act. It's, it's a complimentary product that they're offering. And can I buy securities for um, car loans now? Can I go to, isn't that a, a commercially available product that I could invest in? Yes, I think, I think you can. Yeah. Not so sure about farm equipment though. <laughs> we don't know if John Deere and Case are repackaging those loans as a security on, on the open market. Um. But yeah, the, I mean, I think you bring up a good point that that as a farmer, you have to look at it in total. Yeah, they may be getting you a good rate on your equipment, but you could be paying, you know, they may not be offering you the best uh, price on the interest rates. So it, it, it's uh, it's a whole package deal that you got to look at. And unfortunately for us on the data, we only know the the finance side. We don't know the, the equipment side in terms of the price. So um, what about on the, the seed or the the more trade credit side, uh, uh, Chad, on on the net sixty day, net thirty days due. What are some of the the conditions and uh, uh, tags that come with this type of credit that a farmer needs to be aware of? Yeah. So um, most recently, Jenny and I looked at um, dairy feed sales in the the Northeast in uh, New York and and um, up and. Basically, it appears like there's always some sort of a discount period where the feed manufacturer would be incentivizing a dairy farm to pay early. And then there's a period where there's no penalty, a net period, so to speak, where you're essentially just deferring payment for 
30 days, 45 days. Um, and then there's always terms if you are delinquent in that 30, 45 days of an interest rate that is normally higher than bank financing. So like a common thing would be a percent a month or a percent and a half or 2% a month on these if you're delinquent in that time. So we, I guess, I don't know if we coined the term or if this is what we decided, but you know, we were really interested in those, those loans that were becoming effective credit. So they're, they were spanning beyond the 30 and 45 days and turning into an actual, you know, a, a loan, an effective credit loan um, for farms. Now, do you know anything on the farm side from this study? The, the farmers that let the, this trade credit that was zero interest that lapsed into an effective loan with interest, um, so I guess I have two questions. What is that interest rate or what's the general interest rate if you do let that lapse? Is it higher than what you would pay at a commercial bank if you just went and got an operating loan? Uh, I, I would say based on what we saw, yes. But, you know, I, I can't speak you know broadly that it always is. But I think generally, you know, the um, the feed manufacturers really aren't in the business of, of financing farms. That's yeah. not really what they want to do. Um, they so, are in the business know, of it, though. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> So they're in the business of it to make money, but they, they also want to incentivize you to, to pay it as soon as possible. So they're setting the penalties there. So, so you do, if it's net 30 days, you pay within that 30 days. Definitely. And I think also too, the, the, the presence of the discount period, they're really wanting people to pay even quicker, right? Like generally those discounts were somewhere between two and 4% for dairy feed in the Northeast. So it's, it's a pretty significant, you know, like if you paid within 10 days. Um, and then the, the, to follow up on that, do you think these farmers that did let it lapse, do you think they were planning to from the very beginning um, say, okay, I'll take 30 days without interest and I know it'll go into effective, um, uh, you know, effective interest rate after that? Or do you think this was maybe something happened? And, and I know you may not have the data on it, but it, it strikes me if I'm a farmer, I, I would want to do everything in my power to pay within that 30 days so it doesn't roll over to a higher interest rate loan. Or otherwise, I would just go to a commercial bank and get a, an operating note to begin with that's going to be at a lower interest. So the, the, I would guess my premise would be that they, they should have went to a commercial bank. The, um, they, would be, they would benefit by having got financing from a commercial bank. So in my mind, what we saw on the farms that were extending their feed manufacturers it was probably a lack of opportunity to get credit at a cheaper at a cheaper price. Yeah, so that's what uh, the some of the stuff that I've looked at and research I've done is that sometimes the riskier borrowers do tend to gravitate towards this trade credit. Um, you know, from a managerial perspective, farmers would love to get all their credit in in one you know a, a one stop shop. Uh, you know, minimize the amount of time you're in a bank. Uh, you know, just because that decreases your managerial costs. But what we saw was that some of the farmers went to these non-traditional or, or trade or vendor credits because they got rejected um, from their commercial bank or farm credit system because of the risk. And the, this trade credit was willing to absorb, uh, to offer them credit. So they, they really could, took the loan knowing that they weren't going to pay in 30 days because of the risk. And they were willing to pay that higher interest rate because they couldn't get the interest rate uh, or couldn't get the loan at, at another lending institution. Um, so, which is definitely not something I would ever advise, but if you can't right. get credit otherwise, if you're, if you're credit constrained, it's, you know, it may be your only option. I also think too, that like from coming from a, the production world, like we're eternal optimists, right? So 
So you, you might think in 30 days, the milk price is going to come up. I'm going to be able to pay this off. You know, like I think that, you know, farmers are, we're continually thinking, oh yeah, you know, it's going to get better. We're going to be able to pay it off. Um, so I wonder if sometimes it's just this, it's almost passive. It's uh, either we don't want to go ask for more financing from the bank because, you know, maybe there's a stigma that we've attached to it, that we, we feel concerned about it. Or the last time we asked, they gave us the money, but it was kind of reluctant. Um, you know, or it was just kind of out of, I don't know, I didn't think about it in the last 30 days and now I have a bill due. I don't, I don't know. I'm just guessing. In that context, a lot of it is you got to feed the cows. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, it, 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 to some degree it may be passive, but it, it also could be strategic to some degree. If these farms are trying to, to grow, you know, they want to take on more leverage and their, their operating line is not being increased. You know, it's, it's, you know, you're willing to, to do that at a higher cost explicitly or implicitly. I think that could be, could be go, going on to some degree. Now, from my farm management perspective, it's sort of just, or my farm management ad, that's know your, know your cost, right? <laughs> Don't get into this too passively. Yeah, but, you know, if you don't have any other option, you know, people take higher interest rates for mortgages on house loans all the time if they don't have the down payment necessary to, you know, taking PMI and stuff like that. So uh, definitely uh, sometimes we, if you want to stay in business, you have to pay a higher cost sometimes. Um, so I guess, you know, obviously trade credits being used a lot more. Uh, farmers are relying on it. Sometimes it's beneficial if you, if you can pay it off in that 30 days. Same thing with the vendor financing. Sometimes you're getting a preferential rate. Uh, but from a farm perspective, let's transition to this from a farm perspective. Let's say you're walking into an equipment dealer or you're walking into a co-op uh, to buy seed. What are? Let's start with the, the, the vendor credit. What are some things that the, the farmer needs to be aware of? And we are, we've already touched on some of this, right? That it, you got to look at the total package. Uh, maybe they're giving you a good deal on that tractor, but they're charging a higher interest rate. What are some things as a farmer you should be aware of um, with the use of vendor credit, uh, Chad, I'll start with you. Hmm. I, I think that, um, we had done a little bit of look up at seed and the differences in seed and that underlying, you know, what's the cost of a bag of seed, um, versus, you know, what's your, what's your discount offered in percentages. So there's a, there's a general, there's the, the nominal or the real dollar value attached to that value of seed. And then there's also this discount that comes in a percentage, um, and so I think that's an interesting thing. And there's a, it feels like there's a, um, a lot of confusion on how you could truly compare them apples to apples. So that's probably my only point would be just be aware of, of compare, trying to compare it to something that's a, a good comparison instead of, I don't know, getting hung up on the percent discount. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, if you watch, uh, people, uh, that try to help people buy cars, for instance, they always say, go to your local bank, get, you know, get approved for a certain amount. And that way you can go into the car dealership to say, okay, I know I'm approved of this amount. This is the interest rate. So when Toyota finance or whatever car dealership finance you're, you're buying at offers you something, you, you have something to compare to you, right? Okay. I know it's better because this is what my bank gave me. Uh, so don't just take it because it's there and, and it's convenient. Um, because I know uh, from I, I've interacted a little bit with one of the major equipment dealers finance and, you know, their goal was to get farmers approved within like 15 minutes, right? They'll, they'll take you over to a computer, you plug in all your information, 
Um, and then the computer uh, essentially gave the salesperson, it, it was almost a stoplight scenario. Green light is, yep, they, they qualify for the tractor. They qualify for this equipment. Give it to them at this price. Yellow was, is okay, we may need a few more information due to the risk level. And then, and then red was, uh, you're not going to qualify. Uh, but they tried to keep everything, you know, do everything possible to get you in that green or, or yellow. Um, but it was a 15 minute process. I mean, that to me, that's mind boggling that we're in a world now that this is a computer app, algorithm driven credit application process where the farmer can just put in their information. And in 15 minutes, you can have a loan for a quarter million dollar tractor. So extremely convenient. That's something I've heard a lot too. It's just so easy. Um, it, when million people talk about trade credit or, or vendor finance, one thing I would say too, this, this, the, the use of the term discount is good marketing. Um, you always get a discount no matter what. Um, and so from a psychological perspective, it's best to think of the lowest discount as the price, the true price, and everything else is a premium. Um, and, is there a the, way, though, for a farmer to discern what, what the true price actually is or if it actually is a discount? Um, well, I mean, for, for a lot of inputs, it's, it's pretty slippery, right? Um, this is the whole, whole premise of FBN and, and other folks out there. But, but I, I think, yeah, you might not know the true price, but at least you could start from a framework of any, any discount is good versus like, well, this, you know, let's think of the, the biggest discount as the base and everything else is a premium. A discount or premium, it's all relative, right? This is a different mindset. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to bring up, um, and Jenny, I know you've done a lot of work on this, uh, and this is on uh, transparency laws with trade credit. Um, I, I think farmers should be aware of this, is that when you do the trade credit, it's not exactly like you're, you're getting a loan from a bank. And these vendors uh, can share information with other companies about uh, your finances uh, in the marketplace. I will, I'll go a little bit and just say, I've done some work with some of these trade uh, credit people. And essentially, if you're a farmer and you get a loan uh, with them and you know this is the 30 day or 60 day net due it because it's not a traditional loan uh, and it's not regulated by the FDIC or the Federal Reserve that information can be shared with other uh, manufacturers or cooperatives out there that offer similar trade credit uh, terms and they can actually share share your information. Say, hey, this is the the trade credit they have. This is how much they owe us. Um, so they can collaborate to make sure that you don't overextend yourself. Because it's not, you know, since they don't have to do a, a traditional call report to the Federal Reserve, um, it's a lot less restrictions on what they can do with your information. I don't think this is a big thing that farmers need to be aware of. Um, you know, I don't think that these companies are out to get the farmer and, and divulge your uh, uh, private information. But because this isn't reported they do take the extra step to kind of share this information in, in a public database or in a, in a database that other trade vendors uh, can access so they know which farmers or which people they're loaning money to. So, so you know, a farmer doesn't go to one, overextend themselves and go to another trade credit and get, and get the same terms. I uh, just want to make that point so people uh, can be aware of that. 
So um, what about the risk though? Is there any uh, risk with the, the interest rate or um, thinking about uh, the debt to asset ratio or, or how a farmer may need to think about it from these trade and vendor credits? And from the, from the producer side, you know, I think um, just me personally, you know, it's, it's simpler to manage one relationship or, or one, uh, you know, one banker that I'm dealing with on a regular basis. And, and you know, you don't, it's, it's less likely that you're going to forget to make a payment to on your seed or your chemicals or, or whatever else when you have, you know, just one place and you're using your revolving line of credit or, or some other thing. So I think that those kind of things, the greatest risk, I, I, I feel like the greatest risk is just kind of not being able to keep track of all these different points, um, all these different products that you're involved in. Or um, other than that, I, I think the, I haven't seen anything necessarily on the rates that would make me concerned. So we've, we've been talking for about 30 minutes now, so I think it's probably time we wrap up. Is there anything else that we want to convey to the farmers? Just uh, be anything that uh, may be of interest on this trade or vendor finance topic or uh, risks or, or watch outs that they need to be aware of? You know, I, I mentioned that they can share the data uh, and sometimes the, the farmer may not know that their data is being shared behind the scenes. Um, anything from you two just on... Uh, watch outs or advice to the farmers in the area of this non-traditional finance? I just think that, you know, financing can also be a marketing tool. Like that would probably be my, my big takeaway from spending a little more time looking at this behind the scenes. And, and that's fine, right? But just being aware that it can also be a way to incentivize you to purchase products or to adopt um, a new product, you, you know, so just an awareness that, you know, that you're paying somewhere um, when this financing is a part of your purchase. Yeah, you got to look at it from the whole bundle. Right. Right. And I, I always say when I talk about the good news is there's more competition and the bad news is there's more competition, right? So, so more competition is good. You have more products to choose from. There should be competition on rates and terms. <laughs> On the other part, it, other hand, it's a lot more complex decision be, be between comparing, say, the rates from from one lender versus another, and and other loan terms. It, it gets it gets more complex than that. So, really, it's it's just to really take advantage of this. There's a lot more management that's involved. No, I I, I completely agree with that. I think that there's some excellent opportunities out there for farmers to get favorable rates. Um, you know, unfavorable turns on on money that is lent to them. But I do think that they need to be careful because it's going to require some uh, higher managerial level because now you're getting money from different uh, lending institutions. Uh, and you also, as Chad said, got to be w- watch out. Sometimes it is used as a marketing tool. And even though you think you're getting a good rate, uh, you may be paying higher in another area. So you just got to be able to take in the, the complete picture and figure out what it's going to do to your bottom line. How does it flow on the income statement? Um, and are you going to be able to make this loan cash flow? Um, and, and also, as you mentioned, the competition. Uh, more competition means more opportunities and, and more data to di- digest for the farmer. So you got to spend more time just figuring out, wading through all this new information. 
So with that, uh, we will close. And just as a reminder, if for more economic information on this topic and others, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Ag's website at ag.purdue.edu slash commercial ag. You can also go uh, to the agmanager.info website at Kansas State University uh, Department of Agricultural Economics for more information on this topic as well. Um, and on behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture, Dr. Jenny Ift and Chad Fichter, uh, I'm Brady Brown. We thank you for listening to the, this episode of the Purdue Commercial Agcast.